0: Netflix, Amazon Prime, Sky Movies, or even DVDs and Blu-rays. No matter how we like to enjoy our movies, we all have ones that we love. On the flip side, there are also ones that we love to hate. And today, that's what I'm talking to you about. It's time for Ty's top 10 movies that are so bad, but are so, so good. Welcome to Talking with Ty. What a crazy week it's been. I've turned 29. I had a midlife crisis and dyed my hair grey. Released a song on iTunes. If you want to have a listen to it, I'll tell you more about that at the end. Still in lockdown. Still working at Tesco's. So like I said, my subject of the week is going to be top 10 movies That's so bad, but I can't help love. Now, there are loads of these, and it was quite difficult to narrow it down to a top 10. So, I think I might just get started and jump right in. And, as always, these are my own personal opinions. So, if you don't like them, that's not my fault. So, enjoy. Number 10. Okay, so the movie coming in at number ten is part of one of my favourite franchises of all time, ironically, and it is X-Men's Origins Wolverine. Now, what can I say about this movie? That's good. Well, the cast. We've got Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Iconic. We've got Ryan Reynolds as a pre-Deadpool Wade Wilson. We'll get to that afterwards. And as well as them too, we also have Leave Schreiber as well. Now, I remember when this film was first getting released, I got really excited. I was like, "Oh, we get to actually see how Wolverine became Wolverine. So, I remember going to see it as soon as it came out in the cinemas. And I was sorely disappointed. And here's why. It is the most boring story I have ever seen in an X-Men movie. And that's saying something... When I've watched X-Men The Last Stand. Like nothing happens in it. The start, start, film starts off with him young. Shows, oh, the first time he gets his claws out. Then it just skips forward to like a montage of him in war. And then all of a sudden he's on a task force. And he doesn't like it so he quits. Once he quits, people die. He wonders why. They think it's his brother. So he gets his metal claws. That's it. That's pretty much it. The whole film. And through that absolute snorefest of a story, I think they tried making a franchise by introducing loads of new characters. We had Will I Am, weirdly enough, who plays a teleporter. Oh wait, he dies. We had Ryan Reynolds playing Wade Wilson, aka should be Deadpool. And what do they do? They sew his mouth shut, and give him magical powers, and make him nothing like what Deadpool is supposed to be. Terrible gambit gets introduced gambit was my favorite x-man in the 90s cartoons he was terrible i introduced the blob it was terrible like all the random characters they introduce into this movie are pointless and make no sense like i could do without these characters and to be fair i'm glad brian reynolds got a second chance at playing deadpool because it was fantastic and one final thing that really made me disconnect with this movie Now, there was, what, five X-Men movies before this? How is this the one with the worst CGI? Like, Wolverine's claws just look terrible. And that's all I'm saying about X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Number nine. Now, coming in at number nine, this could be quite controversial, but I don't care. Coming in at number nine is... Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Now, don't get me wrong, I dislike this movie. But I love it because it's part of the Harry Potter universe. So this is why I had to go in here. Now, why do I dislike Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? Well, to put it quite simply, it's the tone of the movie and the acting that goes with that tone. Now, when you watch the first one, the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone, depending on where in the world you are, it's the first movie. It's setting the tone for the rest of them, so you can forgive it for being a bit cheesy, a bit bright, and a bit happy. Then it gets to the second one, and the tone shifts, but the style of acting doesn't. Now, I understand they were, like, 12 or 13 at the time they were kids, but even still, like, it's just awkward to watch. Like, the story itself is quite dark, like, The heir of Slytherin has returned and is killing people off with a giant snake that lives in the sewers of the school. And the spiders are scared of him, but the spiders want to kill everyone. But everyone thinks it's Hagrid, because he likes weird things. But then they think it's Harry, because he can talk to snakes. But then we find out it's actually Voldemort's book, which makes no sense until you get to like the sixth movie. Right? Follow me? Because I don't... Like, don't get me wrong. I'll still try and watch this film. Like, I do the Harry Potter marathon at least once a year. But when this film comes on, this will be the time, like, I do something whilst watching a movie, where the rest of them I'll sit there and watch the film. And it'll have my full attention. Whereas Chamber of Secrets usually gets about, like, 40% of my attention. So, yeah. Number and swinging into number eight it's not austin powers no it's spider-man 3 now spider-man 1 by sam raimi absolutely perfect spider-man 2 by sam raimi might be one of the greatest superhero movies of all time spider-man 3 can get in the bin i was hyped for this movie they were bringing in sandman and Venom into the same movie. And as well as that, Spider-Man was to get his black symbiote suit. Like, come on, that was my childhood right there. And what we got from this film instead was the world's scrawniest Venom. Like, Venom's supposed to be huge and muscly. Nope, we got the guy from that 70s show. Sandman, okay, give it to him. Sandman was good, played by the guy at Thomas Hayden Church, if I remember correctly. If you don't know who he is. He was the guy from George of the Jungle, loyal. I mean, only thing I disliked about Sandman was they made Sand cry. Sand. Sand cried. Yep. Sand that has no moisture cried. Weird. And then the worst thing about this film was the fact that when they gave Peter the symbiote suit, yes, it was supposed to bring out like the darkest parts of you being Spider-Man you wouldn't think the darkest parts of him would be getting an emo fringe doing an impromptu jazz routine that involves a chair and walking down the street doing the finger gun point clicks dance like what was that because to this day it is the most cringiest piece of cinema I've ever seen in my life now what was good I give it to them about this movie were the fight scenes like even though Venom wasn't the best it was a good fight scene and the Sandman like they did pretty well with him like the way he manipulated things it was quite smart and quite clever so I give them that and then once again I mean bad but good they turned another good guy into a bad guy Harry Osborn became the next goblin so three villains one movie and once again the goblin was the best. Number 7 Okay, here we go. Before I get started with my 7th movie, I'll ask you a few questions. 1. Do you like movies about natural disasters and bad weather conditions? Yes? Good. Do you like movies about sharks, aka Jaws, and Deep Blue Sea? Yeah? Amazing. Well, I've got the perfect movie for you. Or... Maybe not, because coming in at number seven is Sharknado. Sharknado, the amalgamation of sharks and tornadoes. Yep, that is right. What would happen if a tornado went across the water and picked up sharks? Well, I'll tell you this movie. I mean, if you haven't watched it before, I suggest don't. But if you have watched it before, I still suggest don't ever watch it again. I don't actually know why I like this film, but I can't help but put it on and just laugh at how bad it is. I think that's why I like it, because it's so bad. It's actually funny. Like, the cast in it isn't anything to write home about. Like, we've got Ian Ziering, who's in 90210. Like, good show. Like, never heard of him since. Tara Reid, you know, from American Pie, one of the greatest movies from the 2000s. Yep, she's in it. How far she has fallen. John Hurt. Okay, I give it to him. John Hurt's great actor, but he hasn't really done anything since being in Home Alone's because he was Kevin McAllister's dad. And then Casey Scerbo. Never heard of her. So that's the cast. Yeah, enjoy that. Now I think the biggest giveaway of why this film isn't actually any good is the fact it is made by Sci-Fi themselves, the channel that air the movie. Now, don't get me wrong, sci-fi, if for some reason you listen to this, please don't sue me. Your films aren't great, but they're good for what they are. And, they're, and that's comedy factor. Because, ready? Here's a list of movies on Sci-Fi Channel. We've got Sharknado, so a shark and a tornado mixed. Piranaconda, an anaconda and a pirano mixed. Dino Shark ferocious planet mongolian Deathworm worm mega piranha mega python versus gatoroid then we've got probably one that i've not watched but i'm gonna now Dinocroc versus super gator now when you hear a list of films like that and you think oh this company's got a new film out you don't really have much hope do you Hi-ho, silver lining. Number six. Now, before we get into number six, let me just pre-warn you. When I say the title of this movie, stop, don't think about it, and carry on, because the title really has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. And coming in at number six is Freddy Got Fingered. Now, Freddy Got Fingered is a film by Tom Green. And he plays an animator who wants to make it big. That's pretty much all you need to know about this film before watching it. So what I'm going to try and do is quickly run through the plot of this bizarre movie as quick as I can. So, Gordy is a main character. He wants to be an animator. So he goes to LA to sell his cartoons, gets told that they're not very good. So he goes back and then for the next about hour of the movie, he just like does stupid stuff, then he meets a girl, this girl tells him to follow his dreams, he then goes again, sells his cartoon, makes loads of money, goes home, moves his house to India, his dad wakes up, and then they jerk off an elephant, end of film. Now there is a lot more stuff that happens in this movie than just that, but I feel like you should watch this for yourself. There's a very strange scene involving childbirth, There's an even weirder scene involving a deer in the middle of the road. And then there's my favourite scene, the backwards man. And that's all there is to say about Freddy Got Fingered. Now, before I carry on with my top five and honourable mentions, I just want to say I do actually enjoy these films. I may be ripping the living daylights out of them, but I do like watching them. I may not be putting that across very well, but just so you know. Thanks. Number five. And coming in at number five is my first animated movie of this list. In fact, it's my only animated movie of this list. And, well, (laughs) it is The Bee Movie. Now, if you've ever seen The Bee Movie, it's a family-friendly flick about bees. To be more exact, it's a movie about one bee in particular called Barry. Barry B. Benson. There's a lot of bees right there. And what Barry does in this movie is he sues the human race for exploitation of honey. That's right, a bee sues the human race with the help of his friend who is a florist, not a lawyer. A florist helps a bee sue the earth. Once he sues the earth, all the flowers die and because bees can't pollinate anymore. And I think that's a really strong message. They're trying to put across, but it doesn't really work. What makes this movie so strange is the amount of puns there are. Any space they can get into for a pun, they can. And usually, I love a good pun. But after, like, ten minutes of the film, I'm all punned out. Like, there's way too many puns in this film. The characters aren't really that great, except for one. One character, and his name... I can't remember, but it's played by Patrick Warburton, the guy who does the voice for Joe from Family Guy in Cusco, he's the only one that makes sense, because he's the only one that looks around and goes, guys, we're listening to a bee, like you know, a bee, the bug, yep. Now I love this movie, but my friend Tom, he hates this film, he can go on a good 10 minute rant about this movie, and I think that's another reason why I love it so much, because I think of that rant and I think of this movie. The one part of the rant he always gets me with is when he's talking about the relationship between the florist and the bee. Like these two characters go on dates and like he pretty much moves in with her. She dumps her boyfriend for him. A bee and a human together. Right. Now most films stay famous for being good films or some films stay famous for being bad films the b movie on the other hand has stayed famous for becoming an absolute meme like one of my favorite ones is every time they say the word b the film gets like twice as fast it speeds up and you can watch the entire movie technically in about 30 seconds that's how many times they say b in the first couple of minutes like it's so fast Number 3 Okay, the next film has become so infamous for being famously bad that they've actually made another movie about making this movie. So coming in at number 3, we have 2003's The Room. Written, directed, produced, funded and starring the weirdly weird Tommy Wiseau. Now, looking at Wikipedia, reading the synopsis of this movie, it doesn't sound too strange. Ready? Johnny is a successful banker who lives happily in San Francisco with his fiance Lisa. One day, she gets bored of him and decides to seduce Johnny's best friend Mark. From there, nothing will be the same again. Acting in this film might be some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life, and I've watched a lot of. Jam Productions and self-made movies that have been made for jokes and they are better than the room. The characters are just one-dimensional they've got nothing about them they've got their main plot line and that's it there's no substance to them. There's moments where green screen is being used and you can blatantly tell because they haven't tried to hide it and if they have they haven't tried very hard and possibly the worst bit are the sex scenes. I mean, watching them makes you feel uncomfortable because you can see how uncomfortable the actors are doing them. It's just cringy. But as with a lot of things on this list, the reason I like it is just because it's so bad and so funny. You can't help but laugh at it. And it is also quotable to the gods. There are so many funny lines in this film. Oh, hi, Mark. That's just one of them. To begin with, and I just don't know why I like this film. But if, like me, you have seen this film, and you haven't seen the movie The Disaster Artist, go and watch it. It stars James Franco, and it's about the making of The Room. That is a great movie. Number three. Coming in at number three is a movie I've watched countless times, and will continue to watch countless amount of times. Until I lose my sight or hearing and can't watch it anymore. And that movie is Rat Race. So a very quick plot rundown. Group of people get chosen by a casino owner to race from Vegas to New Mexico any means possible. First person there gets a bag with two million dollars in it. Sounds like a great plot. And it is a great plot. Like That sounds like a good movie. Let's go through the cast. We've got Kathy Jimmy, we've got John Cleese, Roman Atkinson, Wayne Knight, Dean Kane, aka used to be Superman, Seth Green, Cuba Gooden Jr., Meyer, Amy Smart, John Lovitz. Like, it's a really good cast. And we've got the band Smash Mouth as well, like, they really pulled out the stops for this considering it was 2001 and Smash Mouth were amazing at that point. So the plot of the movie is good. The cast of the movie is good. Why is this film garbage? That's a question I I can't honestly tell you. Like, you watch the film, and you laugh at certain points. You cringe at more than others. I think the main fact of it is this film has not aged well. There's some jokes in there that don't really hit the same way they would have 19 years ago when this movie got released. And I think that just makes it bad. But in the same time, it also makes it better as well as so you like, oh, can't say that anymore, can they? If I'm being completely honest with you, there's not many reasons why this is a bad movie. It just is. But it's also a good movie. That's why it's number two on my list. Number two. Okay, here we go. Number two. This movie is the reason I wrote this list. Now you're thinking... If it's the reason you wrote the list, it should be at number one. It's not, but I'll explain why after. But this movie is so bad. I don't know why I like it. I can't think of more than one good reason. Two good reasons. There's only two reasons why I like this next movie. And that's quite simply the title and the two main actors. Taking the number two spot on my list of bad movies that I can't help love is the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now let me start off by saying before I get into this film I love Super Mario. I've grown up playing games. I've played every Super Mario game and I finished every Super Mario game. As soon as a new Super Mario game comes out I buy it. Like I'm even recording this while drinking coffee out of my Super Mario Brothers heat-changing mug that I got for Christmas two years ago. Like, Mario is the one. So let's get into why I don't like this movie. When you think of Mario, you think of a short Italian plumber. And when you think of his brother, you think of a slightly taller Italian plumber. Yet, the two main actors in this film are from Brooklyn, New York, with no sense of Italian accents anywhere. When you think of the world that Mario takes place in, you think of, like, the Mushroom Kingdom. Bright colours everywhere, mushrooms and happy little creatures. No, this is a dark, dingy, underground dystopia that's been ravaged by fungus and, like, electric neon signs and steampunk-style stuff everywhere. Yoshi. Cute little green dinosaur. Not Slimy, scaly reptilian monster that we get in this movie. The bad guy in the Mario games, Cooper slash Bowser, big dinosaur, breathes fire. In a movie, played by Dennis Hopper, he's got slicked back blonde hair and resembles nothing of a dinosaur until the 30 seconds before the end of the film. The most iconic bad guys in the games, the Goombas and the Coopers. Yeah, little like squidgy brown enemies and turtles not in the game the goombas are like seven foot tall idiots that just bump into each other in the games toad is a little mushroom fellow really annoying to be fair that just follows princess peach around screaming in the movie he's a tall hippie kind of dude that plays a harmonica that then gets turned into a goomba don't know how that works but it does I would say the only thing in this movie that resembles the source material are the bob You know, the little bombs that, like, you touch them, they blow up a little bit later. The only thing in this film that look like what they should, and they're in the film for a maximum of 30 seconds. You see it once, and that is it. Even the plot of the movie makes no sense. There's, like, crystals and, like, ancient princesses and... Prophecies and trying to cross worlds over using a beam—it like has nothing to do with Mario. I feel like when they were making this movie, they made a movie first when oh um we've run out of ideas. Like we need to sell this movie. Ah, you know what? Let's slap the Mario and Luigi name on it, change a few character names, and sell it for that. People will buy it because you know it's 1993. Mario's at the top of his game. Yeah, it didn't work. This movie sucked. Not gonna lie, I think I can wholeheartedly say there is only one thing about this movie I do truly enjoy. That is one song, Was Not Was, Walk the Dinosaur. I'd never heard it before, and it's one of the only places I have heard this song, and it's a bop. Now, I slated this movie a lot, but I'll give it credit where it's due. This film tried to do a mid-credit sting and an after-credit sting before they were cool. The mid-credits sting. They did try setting up a sequel, which, let's be honest, they knew it was never going to happen. And the after credits scene was just a fun little joke with two of the side characters, Iggy and the other one, whose name I can't remember. That's how important they were in my life. Spike. His name was Spike. Iggy and Spike. There they are. Two of the Cooperlings. Knew I'd get it. And yet again, another point proven. The Cooperlings were supposed to be Bowser's kids, like little versions of him. Nope, these were fully grown men in suits with guns. And the one thing in this film that will always stick with me till the day I leave this world are their names. So apparently, the names are Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Yep, that's their full names, apparently, according to this film. Like, I don't know why I like this film, and I don't know why I keep watching it, but I do, and I can't help it, and I... Hate myself every time afterwards. <sighs> now I've got four honorable mentions today. I'm not gonna get into them too much because I don't want to. So my first one is Hot Rod, starring and written by most of the Lonely Island, you know? That really funny funny comedy group. Yep, unfunny movie about a stuntman. Don't know why I keep watching it. It's probably because it's got the Lonely Island in it, amongst other great actors aka Bill Hader. My next one is Movie 43 starring pretty much every actor in the world it's basically just like a sketch show but made into a movie and the only reason I like this is because of the Hugh Jackman sketch and maybe the Chris Pratt sketch the rest of them are just a bit cringy and a bit weird and the main plot I say in air quotes makes no sense. Next on mention is Daredevil starring Ben Affleck. I mean, Ben Affleck's first attempt at a superhero movie didn't really go well. I liked the dark grittiness of it. I liked Colin Farrell as Bullseye, even though I shouldn't have. Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin. I liked the soundtrack and that's about it. Now, my last honorable mention, I don't even think a bad movie. I think it's good, but everyone tells me it's bad, so I believe them. And it is Wild Wild West starring Will Smith. Now, I know he gave up the Matrix to be in this movie because he thought the Matrix was going to flop. And this was going to do well, which says a lot. And to be fair, the soundtrack for Wild Wild West is amazing. That's it. I love it. Number one. And here it is, my number one bad movie that I can't help but love. Now, if you'd listened to one of my previous podcasts about my favourite movies of all time, you'll see a similarity here. Because my number one bad movie of all time that I still watch is Batman and Robin. You know, the sequel to Batman Forever, one of my favourite movies of all time. And why this didn't make the list, mainly because, well, Jim Carrey's not in this one. The puns. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Poison Ivy, Bane. Like, I can't think of a thing about this film that is great, and that's what makes it bad. Like, once again, they changed Batmans, like George Clooney did one movie. This is it. The bat nipples were back, and the bat nipples were more prominent. The filming, like, there was just some really long, weird pauses in that film. Don't get it. The neonness went higher. The child-friendliness went higher. The puns, the puns, oh, the puns. Mainly from Arnold Schwarzenegger himself. Like, I didn't know you could think of that many ice and cold-based puns, but apparently you can, and I quote them on a daily basis. And then there's probably the most cringy moment in any superhero movie I've ever seen anywhere and probably ever will see. Batman and Robin are having an argument about who's going to bid for Poison Ivy in an auction, Batman says an amount of money, Robin says an amount of money, Batman says you haven't got that amount of money, Robin says I'll borrow it from you, and Batman pulls out a credit card with the Bat logo on it, there is a Bat credit card people, I know that utility belt's got a lot, but he's got a Bat credit card, like who's authorizing that, that credit card company needs to be shut down, they're giving it away to nameless vigilantes, now, even though these, this film and Batman Forever were written by the same, or directed by the same person anyway, they seem very different films, like, I don't know how they've done it, but they've managed to take a film that I loved, and made it bad, and I don't get it, but with that being said, I will continue to watch this movie, I will continue to quote this movie, and I will continue to tell everyone to watch this movie at least once, because it's fantastic. So, there we have it, my top 10 bad movies that I can't help but love. Now, I've just got to try and think of some more subjects to talk about because I'm slowly running out. But before I do go, I have one thing very kindly to ask you, everyone. If you could head on over to iTunes, Amazon Music, or Google Play Store, search for Anthony Irwin All for Love. It is a song that me and a few friends of mine have released. We are raising money for the Pink Ribbon Foundation, it's a charity dealing with breast cancer. So if you could head on over, show your support, give it a cheeky little buy, would be much appreciated. But for me, that's all I've got to talk about today. Welcome to Talking With Ty.